Here's Nick. We're just gonna sit in here while he puts all this stuff back there. Just turn the heat on a little bit. Get nice and toasty. You Yo! made it! <laughs> <laughs> there it's we early. go. <laughs> it's not too early for you, though. Not too early. <laughs> Oliver and this is my testimony well it started off when I was like five years old my mom she had a Munchausen by proxy syndrome where she made me think I was always sick and at the age of five she had me locked up and I was in and out from the time I was five to the time I was 12 and then I got out started meeting some new friends at school and out there my buddies and we started doing weed and it led on to me going to juvenile. I come back to Texas in 2007, and I called a 10-year sentence. I did the whole 10, I lost my mom and my sister. Not even two and a half months apart, and it hurt me, it destroyed me. I got out and started messing up a little bit, and I met Leah on Facebook, and we got together and stuff, and I settled down a little bit, but then I started slipping away, lying to her about doing drugs and smoking stuff and all that. My name is Leah Oliver, formerly Leah Parker, but Leah Oliver. When I met my husband, he was like, a, um, he was into drugs. He was very just, he had um, just a very black and white version of things his way. He was very angry, very, 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 very angry. And then not too long ago, last year on October 11th, I went to jail and I was in there for five months. I got out for the five months, they put me on an ankle monitor, and I kind of went on the run for a little bit. And on July 4th, they kicked my door in, like five laws with AR-15 and stuff, and I tried to make them shoot me and stuff, but they did it. Merry Christmas, everyone. Good to see everyone. Welcome, those of you who are online. Merry Christmas. So glad you're a part of the service, part of what God is doing. I love that video we just saw. Wasn't it beautiful? It might, it's, you probably you haven't got to the beautiful part yet. <laughs> but uh, Bo uh, lives in Amarillo, and the way that whole thing developed was, um, you know, he visited Thorn Creek many, many, uh, well, many years ago, I suppose, and his father-in-law brought him to church, and uh, he remembered.
heard what he felt at Thorn Creek Church. Uh, he told me he felt love. That's what he told me. He felt love. Made some bad decisions living in Amarillo. And uh, while he was in jail, um, he, he, uh, God was stirring his heart. Aren't you glad you have a God who can be with you wherever you're at? He can reach you wherever you're at. He doesn't care about visiting hours. He'll meet you whenever he wants to meet with you. And as long as you let him. And, and that's what happened. And he was in the jail cell and, and he asked the guard to Google Thorn Creek Church, and the guard came back with an address and gave it to him, and uh, he wrote to our online pastor, Jeremy Lyon. And uh, Pastor Jeremy started this relationship with him, and next thing you know, he, he gave his life to Jesus. It's a beautiful story. And he saw one of our services where we baptized a whole bunch of people, and he told Pastor Jeremy, man, I wish I could have been there, but for personal circumstances, he wasn't able to leave Amarillo, <laughs> and he, was, he wasn't able to go. So he said, I wish I could have been there. Well, Pastor Jeremy, you know, God just stirred his heart, and, and he tells me, hey, Reuben, what do you think about us traveling to Amarillo, Texas, to baptize Bo and to capture his testimony on, on video. And that's what we did. And it's a crazy, beautiful story. You know why I love that story? is because it reminds me of heaven. That's exactly what God did with us. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, and, and Jesus left heaven, kind of like leave Denver to go to Amarillo, <laughs> left heaven to go to, to come to our world so that we could have a relationship with him. That's the desire of God's heart. I was talking to uh, someone recently and, and I invited them to a Christmas Eve service. And I said, you should come. And he, and, and he told me, oh, you know what? Uh, honestly, um, I just believe there's many roads to get to heaven. I believe there's many religions and many ways. And I said, oh, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's one person named Jesus. And it's all about Jesus. And we were outside in front of his house and I pointed to his Christmas lights and I said, that's why you're hanging those Christmas lights right there, because you're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. There's nobody like Jesus. And uh, that's what we're talking about, guys. Let's jump into this story here in Luke chapter two, verse one. It starts off like this. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman empire. This was the first census when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And Joseph, and because Joseph was a, des a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of, of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. Hello, Rachel. There it is right there. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. Not yet, Rachel. Let's get past this weekend. Uh, she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So actually, God's timing is best, Rachel. It's all good. Um, there was no lodging available for them. Let's pray. Jesus, we uh, worship you. We thank you for, uh, for coming into our crazy world. Uh, thank you for the relationship you desire uh, to have with us. And I just ask that you move in a special way in me and through me for your good pleasure. I pray that you uh, just meet with every person here in a really special way, God. I pray that you change hearts. I pray that you, you uh, crack open hard, hard hearts, Lord, stubborn hearts. And would you give people eyes to see? 
Maybe make that your prayer. Say, God, give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear. I want to hear a word from you. Speak to me, God. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit speaks to every person. You know what every person is going through right now. You know what their life looks like. You know whether or not they've had loss uh, or fear or they're on a mountaintop, wherever they're at, God, or the challenges that they're in, the conflicts they might be in, whatever it is, would you just move in every heart? I pray for those who are watching online as well, God, would you move in their heart as well in a life-changing way, Lord. I pray that they're engaged in this service, Lord, and I pray there's little to no interruptions right now so they can have an encounter with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Turn to the person next and just tell them you smell good. Can you do that? You smell good. We're talking about smelling things today. You smell good. Maybe someone hasn't told you that lately. You just need to know that. You look good. You look good. All of you look great in your Christmas attire, and um, you, look, you look super. Hey, so the, the verse that I want to really, the Lord just, you know, I prayed about this, and, and, and the, the theme of this message is a cradle in the dirt. And uh, the, the verse 7 is where this came from, really. It says, she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, in a manger. You know, that word manger, it literally means a feeding trough. So this is, this is our, our illustration here, guys. This is a, um, um, this manger, this cradle, whatever you want to call it. It was built... To, to feed, you know, cows and donkeys and whatever else livestock was around the, around the area. It was in a barn. And, and this is where God chose to introduce his son. The son of God was laid in this trough. And I'm, I'm thinking if this trough could talk, <laughs> if it could talk about how many wild animals have come to it and, and taken from it. And now uh, the only place that's available is this barn, and, and here you have Jesus, and he's laying in there. But I want us to understand kind of what's happening around this thing, because it's, it's so hard for us to capture. Max Lucado said it like this, the stable stinks, like all stables do. The stench of urine, dung, and sheep reeks pungently in the air. The ground is hard. The hay, scarce, scarce. <laughs> cobwebs cling to the ceiling and a mouse scurries across the dirt floor. A more lowly place of birth could not exist. When I think about this, how many of you have, have, are familiar with the barn and maybe you have horses or cows? And I, I grew up in, at a place where we had uh, horses and cows and, and we would go and at the ranch, and, and it was great times. But I, I could only imagine around this manger, there were hoof prints everywhere, right? You have to be careful where you step because you could st step on poop, right? You got to be careful where you go and where you step. And it had a smell to it. And in the middle of this is you have Jesus, the, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Well, when I look at this, this is a picture of God's love for us. This is a picture of the kind of relationship God wants to have with us. I'm so grateful that we have a God that wants to live in the middle of our mess. In the middle of our stable. 
right? And this situation where it's like, you know what? I've got things in my life. There's things that I have done. There's things that I do nobody knows about. I have habits. I think this way or whatever it is. And, and if I'm honest, it doesn't smell very, very good at all. And, and you have a God who wants to dwell in the middle of your life. In the middle of your past and present and whatever mistake, you have a God who wants you to know him dead center in the middle of your stable. Here's the message of Christmas. The message of Christmas starts with God's willingness to meet us at the place that others would find offensive. That's the message of Christmas. And if you look at scripture, you see this God over and over and over again go to places that other people wouldn't go. You see God seek after people. You see God trying to get your attention and, and you see God just reaching out for you. I mean, he wants you to know him desperately, wants you to know him and he won't give up. He's a God who will not give up. You could have a stubborn hard heart and say, there's just no way, there's just no way. But you have a God who's so loving and gracious and merciful. He's so good and he wants you to experience him in the darkest, deepest, most hurtful places of your life. Sometimes our life is just surrounded by hurt, isn't it? It's just surrounded by hurt. You live in this world long enough and you can have hurt. Here's the problem with hurt, is you can become addicted to your hurt. You can become addicted to it and all of a sudden hold on to that hurt instead of embracing the love of God. And God sends his only son, puts him in this manger, and it's this place nobody wants to stay. It's a place that smells. It's a place that's considered unclean. That's the message of Christmas. When I thought about this message, the Lord took me to a story, a pretty famous story. It's found in the Gospel of John, chapter 4. And it involves this woman at the well. It's a pretty famous story. Jesus was walking around, and he's He's teaching people about who he is, and he's performing miracles. And, and uh, one, one day, he says, I, I have to go to Samaria. I have to go to Samaria. And it's really significant that he's going to Samaria because Samaritans, they just smelled. <laughs> verse, chapter 4, verse 7 says, Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? When I think about this Samaritan woman, I think about this, this barn. I think about this, this manger. And I think about the smell, everything that comes with it. This is a woman with a smell a spiritual smell. The Jews looked down on Samaritans. They were considered half-breeds. They worshiped on the wrong hill, and they, they had a mixed race about them. And, and get this, Jews would even, Hebrews, would even take the long way around just as long as they didn't have to go through Samaria. Have you ever ignored someone? <laughs> You know, I'm, I know we, we call it just blocking someone now because it's much more polite just to block them and not let them know you're blocking them, right? Or you just uh, go the long way around. You find out they're, they're standing in that hall, so you go the long way around. Or, or whatever it is, you just don't look at their post or whatever it is. But you have this God who never gives up on 
anyone, and he loves every soul, every color, every race, every language. He has a desire for people to know his love and his grace. This woman was a Samaritan. The Jews were like, I mean, his own disciples were like, what are you doing talking to this Samaritan? Um, This woman's life was like the manger where Jesus was born into. It had the spiritual stench. Verse 10, Jesus replied, if you only knew, say, if you only knew with me. Can you say that? Say it one more time. If you only knew. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you what kind of water? Living water. I love this story because who's the first one that says, hey, can I have a drink? Jesus. Jesus is the first one to walk across the hall. Jesus is the first one to extend grace. Jesus is the first one to extend mercy. She didn't even realize who was standing in front of her. Jesus is the first one. That's hard for us, isn't it? Like when someone hurts you, you don't want to be the first to go to them. You don't want to talk to them. You know, they should be calling you, right? They should be, they should be making things right with you. They should be reaching out with you. Well, what happens if they don't? See, you have a God whose love is so great. He just wants her to know him. And Jesus says, hey, <clears throat> I have some water? And she's like, well, where's your bucket? You don't have a bucket. Where are you going to get this water from? And Jesus says this, 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 this phrase, I love it. He says, if you only knew. If you only knew who was asking you for water. If you only knew the life God has for you. If you only knew the freedom that you could have in Christ if you only knew the joy that was there, if you only knew how God could transform your house, if you only knew how God could transform that marriage, if you only knew what God could do for you and in you, what Jesus could do in you and through, if you only knew, if you only knew the mercy and grace, if you only knew how rich you could be in this, if you only knew you could experience heaven on earth, if you only knew, if you only knew what God could do through you, if you only knew what God could do with your gifts and strengths that you have, if you only knew what would happen if you would just say, yes, if you only knew, (laughs) if you only knew. Someone once said, you don't know how bad you need Jesus until you have Jesus. And then you're like, oh my word, I had no idea. If you only knew. It took me 18 years to figure that out when I came to know Jesus. Uh, uh, if you only knew. And Jesus is having this conversation with him. You know, it reminds me, uh, Romans, chapter, Romans chapter 5, verse 6, talks about the purpose of Jesus. It says, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Just at the right time, Christ came when we were utterly helpless. Again, it's Christ coming, invading in our, in our world. Uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, for, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering of our sin, for our sin, so that 
we could be made right with God through Christ. That's Christmas. Like, Merry Christmas! That's Christmas! The idea that, I mean, Jesus is holy. He's righteous. There's no sin in Jesus. He's completely God and he's completely human. And he lies down in this manger, this smelly old manger in the barn with everything that smells. It's a picture of him entering humanity. It's a picture of him entering our life. It's a picture of Jesus meeting this Samaritan woman at the well. Now, I don't know what's going, what's going on in your life, but some of you might feel like that Samaritan woman. You might think, you know what? I don't, I don't even like myself. You might think, I don't know. I can't even forgive myself. Anybody just hard on yourself? You know what I mean? Anyone hard on yourself? You're just hard. Uh, you, sometimes forgiving yourself, it, that's the hardest person for you to forgive, right? You just, you, you just, it's just hard for you to forgive yourself. Some of you have convinced yourself that your life is just going to be like, like, like uh, you know, bad luck all the time or something because of the mistakes you've made, and, or you're going to have this kind of life all the time because you've made these mistakes, or, or this relationship's never going to come together because of the you know, things you have said, I want you to know you have a God of impossible. You have a God who reconciles the world, all of humanity. He does it at the cross. You have a God who knows how to breathe life. That's what Jesus does. He came to seek and to save the lost. When I uh, invite people to Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve is hard for me. It's really hard for me. I try to invite as many people as I can. There's a stat I've shared here at church many times. Did you know 94% of Adams County is com it's considered uh, unchurched or don't attend church? 94%. We're one of the top five counties in the United States. And I think there's something to that. I think self-sufficiency has a little bit of that. The idea that I'm in control and I can manage things. And when your refrigerator is full, you know, there's not a lot of desperation, is there? When the savings account or checking account is at a good level, there's not a lot of desperation. But when you go through hard times, this crazy thing about this woman at the well, I keep looking at the manger because I feel like this is a Samaritan woman. Um, the crazy thing about the Samaritan woman is when she showed up, I don't think she woke up thinking that day I'm going to meet the Messiah. I think it was an ordinary day for her. I think she just needed some water. And you know, that's exactly what God does. God interrupts our ordinary days. And our ordinary days become extraordinary because Jesus was there. Jesus was there, and it changed everything. And we recognize I had this holy divine moment. I went to Christmas Eve service. I just wanted to check off a box, but I met Jesus. I wasn't expecting anything, but I met Jesus. We had someone just last night show up to get some things at the liquor store right, right next door to us. And one of our Thorn Creekers just shared his God story with them, and God stirred their heart. Next thing you know, the woman was Googling Thorn Creek Church, reading up about it. See, she showed up to just get some, get some booze, <laughs> but she heard about Jesus. She heard about, that's what God does. It's an ordinary trip. You didn't expect it, and that's exactly what God does. Jesus says this, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It will become a fresh, bubbling spring 
within them, giving them eternal life. Jesus makes it really clear. He said, um, <clears throat> you know what? You can come and you can get your water because that was your plan. You came with your bucket. You can get your water and you can go home. Or you can get a taste of the living water. It's like the red pill or the blue pill, right? The matrix is out right now. It's like, like what do you want to do? The red pill or the blue pill? What do you want to do? You can take the safe route. You can take your bucket and your water or you can, you can know Jesus. <clears throat> she didn't expect to run into the Son of God. It wasn't, it was just a normal day. She was getting up, going to work on the way home. She was going to stop at King Supers, get some gas, and maybe order pizza and go home. I mean, that, it was just a normal day. But God interrupts. If you, if you have an open heart, and Jesus makes something else clear. He said, nothing and, nothing and nobody will ever satisfy you like Jesus. Nothing and nobody will ever satisfy you like Jesus. Sex won't satisfy you like Jesus. Money won't satisfy you like Jesus. A retirement account won't satisfy you like Jesus. A vacation in Hawaii or wherever won't satisfy you like Jesus. Nobody will satisfy you like Jesus. Jesus. That's who he is. So Jesus offers this to her. And I think as I, as I look at this and I think, you know, what's the whole thing going on over here? And why, why, what, is, what is Jesus trying to do? And I think one of our problems is this. Um, under the eyes of God, our sin smells. And that's why God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into this world. Because our sin smells. It's separating us. Our sin separates us from a loving God. So, so under the eyes of God, our sin smells. Now here's our problem as we're stuck here in this world. Here's our problem. The longer you live with a stench, the more acclimated you get to that stench. The longer you live with a stench, the more acclimated you get to that stench. Right? If you sweat after a long, hard day, a lot of times you don't smell yourself, but you go and you go hug someone and you're like, ugh, you know, you're terrible. Eventually, here's our problem with, with this acclimation of our stench. Here's our problem right here. It, when it comes to our spiritual life or our character, um, that stench no longer is a stench. So it used to be a weakness. Now we call it a strength. Just follow with me here for a little bit. It used to be a character issue that maybe you used to pray about or you were aware about or you used to work on or whatever. It used to be a character issue, and now you, now you love it. Now it's something you don't pray about anymore. You know, it used to be called, it used to be called pride and arrogance, but now, now you just call it confidence, it used to be something that you want out of your life, and now you have learned to coexist with it. It used to be hard to see yourself in the mirror. But now you kind of love that reflection a bit. You know what I'm talking about? It used to be something, it used to be something that you just, you know, just turned your stomach, but now you're, you're kind of Proudful, pride, you know, you're just proud about it, and it's not a problem anymore. It used to be a guest, and now it's in your master bedroom. It used to be something you avoided talking about, and now you defend it passionately, 
defend it. See, it used to be a stench, but you've been acclimated a bit, and now it no longer smells under your eyes, under your nostril. It used to be called a sin. Now you say, I'm only human. I'm only human. See, we have that ability. You come to love the smell. In fact, it's no longer a stench. It's a perfume. (laughs) It's a perfume. And you're proud about it. It no longer smells. And I think when it comes to our relationship with God, God allows us to live like that for a short time. And God says, okay, I want to give you a new perspective of what you're so proud about. And I want to help you understand. I want you to see yourself through, through the eyes of God. And Jesus kind of enlightens the, the gal. That's what he does with the Samaritan woman. He enlightens her. Um, you know, we had uh, this sewer line problem here at the church um, a few weeks ago. I don't know if you remember this or not. If you were online, it's so good you're watching online because you didn't have to smell the sewer line. That's a good thing. But uh, it, you walked into the church, and it was on a Sunday morning. I opened up the back doors of the church, and it was like I ran into a wall. <laughs> Anybody remember that? I ran into a wall. It was like, oh, welcome to church. I'm so glad to be at church. And I'm like, we're checking trash cans, and we found out it was actually a sewer line stoppage issue. They had to you know, do demo work on the concrete, literally rip up the concrete and, and, and find the problem. And I mean, it was major work. Work to fix it. But the thing about that Sunday morning was uh, when we came in and we smelled it, after we were walking around for about 20 or 30 minutes, the smell went away. We're like, do you smell that anymore? It's like, nope, it's not, I don't smell it anymore. Well, it must have gone away. And then someone from the outside would come in and open up the door and say, Ooh, what's that smell? You've been living in that smell for the last 30 minutes? Like, yeah, it's not so bad. Come on in and just get used to it for a while. (laughs) Just get used to it for a while. We do the same thing in our lives. In fact, many times when it comes to relationships, we know that character issue smells. We know our mouth and what we say smells. You know what I'm talking about. We know we can smell but you know what we tell people? Just come out and hang out for a while. Eventually, you'll get used to it. Eventually, it won't be that bad. You'll just get used to the way I talk. You'll just get used to the way I treat you. You'll just get used to what I do, what I see. You'll get used to that laziness. It's going to be all right. You'll get used to that. And you just invite people to come in and say, and then we might even say, this is just who I am. What church? M. See, you've said it before. Or you've heard it before. And we say, come on in. The whole thing about this interaction with Jesus is so beautiful. And I have good news for you. God's grace travels. God's grace travels. John chapter 1 tells us in the beginning was the word. And the and word is capitalized there because it's referring to a deity. It's referring to Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, in other words, was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Some denominations, instead of saying, and the Word was God, do you know what they put? They put a little particle in there, the word a, and they say, and the Word was a God. That's not theologically accurate at all. That's not truth at all. Jesus 
is God in the flesh. In the beginning was the word that's before all of creation. And the word was with God. Jesus was with God and the word was God. And verse two says, he was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made and without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Glory to God. And verse 14, when you skip down, it says this, the word became flesh, Merry Christmas, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. That word dwelling, um, if you unpacked that word and you looked at the Hebrew language, it literally, it means to dwell, to reside, or to tabernacle. Tabernacle. Well, in the Old Testament, the tabernacle was like a huge pop-up tent <laughs> for the Israelites to come. And the tabernacle was in the middle of their community. Whenever they saw that cloud move or that fire by day or night move, they, they, the tabernacle went and it was in the center of their community. It was the place they met God the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was the place where sacrifices were made. It was the place where they worshiped. It was the center of their community. The entire community was around this tabernacle. And here scripture says right here that Christ's desire is, his desire is to make his dwelling in the middle of your life, to tabernacle in your marriage, to tabernacle in your Thoughts to tabernacle in your emotional life, in the middle of your depression, to tabernacle in your anxiety, to tabernacle in your, in your worry, to tabernacle in your lust or whatever it is. He wants to be in the middle of that because he wants to transform. He wants you to know him. I like that King of, uh, King of Kings, that song we sang says this, to a virgin came the word, from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. See, the cradle in the dirt demonstrates God's desire to live with us. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. This is a 700-year prophecy. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Say God with us out loud. God with us. That's what it is. Look what happens. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. She still doesn't get it. And I won't have to come here to get water. She doesn't get it. And then look what Jesus says. What does he say? You got to read this out loud. This is so good. What does he say? Go and what? Go and go and get your husband. Jesus told her. Hey, I got hay on me. <clears throat> go and get your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had, how many husbands? Five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Jesus says five words to her. Remember, she said, all right, I'll take that water you're talking about. You mean I don't have to come over here and trek over here and get my, my, fill up my bucket? And, all right, and then Jesus just says, cool. <laughs> Go get your husband. 
go get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. She's like, you know what? Um, yeah, I'm with a guy right now. We've been hanging out together. We met at this party or we met at this club or we met online and we just been hanging out and occasionally he spends a night and, and he's not my husband, not my, my boyfriend. I, you know what? It's, it's just complicated. It's just a little complicated. Yeah, we've, we've done things together, and, but we're not really, yeah, I don't have a ring on. No, no, it's just, it's just complicated. Have you ever been in a complicated relationship? Sometimes we find ourselves in complicated relationships, don't we? We put ourselves in complicated relationships and, and we're like, how did I get here? I don't know how to get out now. And I'm not sure what this means anymore. Sometimes it's in a work situation or a school or friends or whatever it is. It's a complicated situation and we're like, okay, I'm in this situation. I wasn't planning on being in this situation. And now I'm not sure, I'm not sure how to handle this. And I want you to know this. God does complicated. God does complicated. God's not intimidated by complicated. God can work through anything. And I find this, I shared this. I shared this last night. I find this really interesting that Jesus didn't just say, all right, I'm the living water. He did, eventually. He said, I'm the Messiah. But why did he put this question in there? Why did he say something that he knew would be a complicated situation? Why did Jesus say, go get your husband? You know, I think there are certain things we don't want to talk about. You know what I'm talking about? There's certain things you don't want to talk about. You don't want others to talk about. You avoid that subject. I don't want to talk about that mistake I did back then. I don't want you to know about that mistake. Some of us are really good at hiding our past mistakes. And you, the person that you were married with may not even know it. And we're really good at that. I want you to hear this. God sees that mistake. And God loves you. Jesus went somewhere that she didn't want to go. Jesus said, go get your husband. Like, I thought we were talking about water. What's this about? I just came to go to church. I just, this is a, I'm, I just came here to be encouraged. I just, what am I going to get out of this? That's what this is about. Don't you cross lines with me. Don't cross lines with me. Don't call me out on a mistake I did. If you call me out on a mistake I did, I won't ever come back, right? That's kind of our attitude, isn't it? If we're just honest. If somebody, some of you, if all it takes is someone to challenge you with something and you're offended and you walk away because walking away is always easier. It's always easier. Jesus says, go and get your husband. You know what I believe Jesus was doing here? Jesus wanted her to smell what he smelled. Yeah, I don't think true, true, like a true growth. I'm, I'm doing this because I, I just imagine growth. True growth really happens until you're honest, until you see yourself through the eyes of God. Real transformation does not happen until you see yourself through the eyes 
of God. Because some of you have been living in your stench for so long, you're acclimated to it. But true growth happens when you say, you know what, God, I recognize now. I recognize my life. I see my life through your eyes. And that thing, it does smell. And the beautiful thing about God, the beautiful thing about Jesus, Jesus will not leave you where he found you. That's so good, guys. <laughs> Jesus will not leave you where he found you in that pain and hurt. He will not leave you where he found you in that shame and regret. He will not leave you where he found you. But you gotta, you gotta, gotta take a whiff of that. You gotta take a whiff of that. Um, I, I wonder if she never took a whiff. If she refused and she just got angry and said, yeah, whatever, everybody has issues. Yeah, whatever, don't come up this tree. Yeah, whatever. But there was something inside of her. She took a whiff and she recognized God's plan for her life. She recognized how she deviated from God's plan. And you keep reading this story and you know what happens? She goes around all of Samaria and she's a lights out missionary, a preacher telling everyone about Jesus. Come see this man who told me everything about my life. And Jesus stays in Samaria for days because of this woman. People couldn't shut her up. That's what happens when Jesus gets a hold of someone's life. You just can't shut them up. You just can't shut them up because they've experienced something at a personal level and they recognize Christmas. They recognize the love of God. Craig Rochelle said this, you're not what you did in the past. Hallelujah. Someone say hallelujah about that. You're not what others think you are. Hallelujah. You are who Christ says you are. Glory to God. That's what Jesus does. When he met that woman at the well, he didn't go to the well to shame her. And he didn't go to the well. He needed her to take a whiff. But his desire was to save her. His desire was to give her true life. I mean, she's been with a bunch of guys and she still was not satisfied. And Jesus was not gonna leave her where he found her. <clears throat> I want you to hear this. You have a God who is not intimidated by your mess or by your smell or, or by your chaos. While I was in my jail cell, I asked the officer if he could find Thorn Creek Church's Zinfo for me. I sat down and I reached out to Pastor German and I wrote down some of my life story. And ever since then, I kept on praying to Jesus on the side of my bunk every night just to give me this one more chance and I'd follow him. And since then, they come, they come to my cell on July 11th and that's when I was going to court. And I said, yeah. Well, I went to the court. They brought me down there, shackled me up, and I went to the court. And my lawyer come down there, talked to me in the holding cell, and said, well, they're offering you seven years of TDC. 
prison. And I said, I can't go back to prison. My dad's real ill and I want to follow God's will. So I hit my knees and he said, well, I'll be back. He come back about 10 minutes later. I just got up crying, praying to God and everything, just give me this one more chance. And well, he said, I got you five years probation. And I just looked at the sky. I said, thank you, Jesus. And from there on, I've just been following his will. And it's, it's a blessing. The day Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And he saved me for all my troubles. And I gave him my full heart. From death to life, cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. Like there's no, that anger is replaced with like a, he's playful, he's funny. God. Can you put your hands together one more time? Jesus is still in the business of changing lives. Still in business. I love that little nod at the end by Bo. He's such a cowboy. I love that little nod. Uh, you know, I want I wanted you to hear this. You're not here by accident. You're not watching this video by accident. God loves you. God wants you to turn to him. Jesus wants you to accept him as Lord and Savior. Jesus wants to be in the middle of your life. Jesus loves you and cares about you. Are you willing to invite Jesus Christ into your life right now? Or maybe the question is, are you willing to allow Jesus in the center of your life? Are you willing to take a whiff? <laughs> God loves you. You're not too far gone. It's not too late. You have a God of the impossible. This is a time in the service where Christmas becomes incredibly special. Uh, the best Christmas gift you can give to God is yourself. It's the best one. Maybe somebody invited you here, whatever it is, but the best gift you can give is say, you know what, God, just take my life. You don't have to figure out at all, all the problems. You don't have to work anything out. You can just say, Jesus, I want to give you my life. You take it. You do whatever you want. I want to lead you in a prayer. Um, <clears throat> if you're ready to receive Jesus, say this. Say, Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. And I turn to you with all of my heart. I give you my life. I want to become a Christian right now. Teach me how to walk. Be with me. I want to know your presence. I want to know your presence in my life. Come into my mess. Others of you might need to say, um, God, have mercy on me. I think I've become acclimated to my smells. And I want to invite you 
to transform me. Take me to another level in my relationship with you, God. Give me a new desire for your word. Reading the Bible, give me a new desire to attend church. Maybe you need to say that. Give me a desire to worship in the house of the Lord and to grow in my relationship with you, God. Give me a new desire to talk to you every day. Thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Uh